Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I, as always, am Chad Brendel, joined by my trusty co-host, David Simone, and a very, very special guest, one of uh, one of the voices of the Bearcats. Dan Horde is kind of this all-encompassing voice of the Bearcats now, but his, his, his faithful partner during UC football broadcasts. And uh, a regular at Camp Higher Ground, and a friend of Bearcat Journal, and a friend of myself, which I'm I'm very happy to uh, to put on my my resume, is none other than former Bearcat great and current voice of the Bearcats, Jim Kelly. Jim, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Chad. I'm I'm glad to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here and uh, talk Bearcat football with you guys. You have uh, you have been out at Camp Higher Ground quite a bit. Does this feel different? Does this look different to you when you get out there and, and you get a chance to take a look at these practices? You know, interesting that you say that because everything you read coming up to Camp Higher Ground was that things were going to be different. And we can go into that more as we go through things tonight. And that, to put that in a nutshell, is because this team um, has experience and that hasn't always been the case. Um, in the, let's even say the four years that Luke Fickle's been there, but even beyond that in the past. Um, but yeah, they look the part. They really do. So here, here, here's kind of the scenario I used um, after being there one day at Camp Higher Ground. Normally I come in and, you know, you go through spring ball and you read a lot through Bearcat Journal and, you know, you hear things and Let's just say, and I'm just picking this number out of the blue, there's about 15, 16, 18 guys that were starters last year that you know, and or they might not have been starters, but let's say they were, as Luke likes to call them, 1Bs. But you saw enough of them that you knew that they were going to be out there and be in the mix. And then you had these 6, 8, 10 guys that you had to learn. And maybe you knew them from last year because they got some playing time. Um but that being said, this year you come in with the exception of a few number changes. It's like, holy cow, this is the same team. Um, and they were damn good last year. How good are they going to be this year? And again, kind of putting on the front end of that, that everything we knew and read and all the accolades that they've received nationally, as well as, you know, the things we talked about here locally during the offseason and during spring ball, you get out there and there's very few names and numbers with that you don't know. So it did feel a little different. It, and it's the first time I've felt that way. Um, and, and I could say that honestly, since, you know, and there's been ups and downs certainly in the last 15 years, but first time I can say that since, uh, you know, since maybe 2006 with Mark D'Antonio and uh, even the 2009, 2010 period or 2008, 2009 period, when you had guys like Gilliard and Pike and all those guys coming back and Isaiah Pede, but at the same time, this one's even beyond that. It really is to me right now. So it, it does feel different. Yes. The other thing I noticed right away at camp, and I'm interested in your take on this as well, is the intensity of practices. It, there doesn't, there's not a lot of individual periods. There's not a lot of um, going through the basics of, of teaching that, you know, that uh, we talked to Luke the other day, he said, and they're doing a lot of install during walkthrough the night before um, where they're just, you know, going, they've got so many veterans and so many guys that know 
what's going on and what it takes that they can now do that in a walkthrough setting. And then the next day at practice, it's a lot of one-on-ones and seven on sevens and 11 on 11. And it, the intensity and the speed of practice, it felt like in the past was kind of a slow burn, especially through that first week of camp. Yeah. And, and this year it was, they got on the field and it was rocket ship. And you could see that at the end of that first practice when there were 15 guys with IVs that had probably hit the gas a little too hard on day one. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. The one thing that I've noticed is the intensity in, in, and again, with, with everything that's happened to them in the off season in reference to their national recognition, you know, the last thing you want is a guy like Desmond Ritter or a guy like, uh, you know, Gardner, Sauce Gardner. You don't want those guys, you know, and, and I'm going to use an old term, old school cliche, let it go to their head. But that being said, these guys got it made and you know, not got it made. You know, their, their positions are made. There's not going to be a whole lot of challenge for either of them. And there's more beyond those guys. But they're going, at as, they're going at it as hard as anybody else. And you mentioned that first day. I'm seeing guys go down. I'm going, oh, that's not good. You can't afford to lose that guy. Oh, that's not good. Can't afford to lose that guy. But then I see the trainer run over and they pull the leg up and they, you know, they bend, they bend the foot back. And basically it was a cramp, you know, and I'll take a cramp any day because <laughs> – through Gatorade or water or an IV, you're going to be able to fix those kind of things. It's the other things you don't want to see injury wise, but they are going at it hard 100%. And I've been incredibly impressed by the effort. And the one thing that, you know, and this will come up time after time after time with this team is Luke Fickle's not going to let them feel like, you know, they've made it. He's going to challenge them. And that's the part I, you know, and that's one of the, the intangibles that I like about Luke. He gets them ready to play every game no matter if you're playing, you know, and I'm using this because it's the first game coming up, Miami Redhawks, or if you're playing Notre Dame, he's going to have them ready to play. And they are hitting it hard out at, at higher ground. You are absolutely right. As a former wide receiver, <clears throat> when you go to higher ground, is that where your eyes go first? And, <laughs> and if so, what do you think of this group and kind of where it's come in the last couple of years? So uh, you are absolutely right, Dave. My first eyes go to the wide receivers. And beyond that, I go to number seven because that was my number, <laughs> Trey Tucker. No, I'm <laughs> kidding about that. but um, Almost okay. a clone. Yeah, almost the exact same player as you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Similar speed. <laughs> no. I think the term for, you for me was he knows how to get open. He has good hands, which means I couldn't, I couldn't run. <laughs> But that being said, to, to answer Dave's question, and Chad, you and I discussed this today, it is absolutely amazing in three years where this wide receiver room has gone. Um, it was the weakest spot on the team four years ago, even three years ago, improved last year. And this year, I won't put it number one because there's so much there that they'd have to live up to in other positions. But they can go three deep across the board, and we're not even talking tight ends right now, just talking at the wideouts. Um, they can go deep into that third team and really not drop off a lot. They are very, very talented. And to uh, give Mr. Tucker his, uh, his due, he's very good as well. Um, yeah, he's a little different receiver as me. However, I will say this, um, in, in the times I've been out there, Certainly no doubt about that he has the speed, but I've watched him, and today was He's no, tough. He made one hell of a catch today 
on a very simple, what, what looked like a simple throw that was behind him in traffic. And he went back and got that ball. So, um, I, you know, it's not just him running down the field and, and Dez or, or Prater throwing the ball deep to him. You know, he can catch the ball over the middle too. He's going to be, I mean, and we already know how exciting he is in the kickoff game, kickoff return game, but he has turned into one heck of a wide receiver. And, and to just add on to that point, we don't talk about this enough. I don't think Mike Brown came in as kind of a complete unknown. He yeah. has been one hell of an addition at wide receiver coach. Well, I got, I got to tell you, I watched him today and I'm watching a reaction. He's jumping up and down and he was clearly upset with something. And so everything went to the strong side of the field or the field side and something happened on the backside. And it was a small mistake that whoever was on the, uh, on the boundary side made wide out wise, but he felt it was big enough that, you know, you could ruin the whole play by not by doing something wrong over there. And I love his intensity. I, I love the way he is involved in the total game. It's not just, okay, you got to beat these guys one-on-one. You know, I want you to go down and run the best, you know, post route, out route, you know, quick slant, whatever the route would be. He, he is totally into the game. I, I would agree with you 100%. He is one uh, underrated coach right now on this offensive side of the football. David? Oh, sorry. So outside of the wide receivers, is there any position group players that you've kind of seen yourself drawn to watching, maybe surprised you a little bit or – that you just wanted to, once you got out there, you were really excited to see how they were progressing. Well, I mean, if you, if you, you talking about wide receivers day, no, or, no, just any outside of wide receivers. Oh yeah. So I, I, so if, if I go, if I go through Pierce and Mike Young and Trey Tucker and um, who else is, you know, Jaden Thompson, Tyler and, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler Scott. I like a lot too. So, I mean, I, like I said, I can go three, four, three, three guys deep at all three spots there and totally be um, 100% happy with the wide receiver group. The, the one that I've watched the most, and, um, and I just feel that it is a key to the season, is the offensive line. And um, it's one of those spots where if you look at the top five teams in the country, or let's even take the top 10, and Cincinnati now has – I was so happy to see the coaches put them up there in the top 10. Not, not uncommon to see the media kind of like a darling and move them up there, but to see the coaches who dig in a little deeper, really look at what the team has coming back and, and what they've got going on to vote them number 10. I look at the offensive line and where I feel like there's a difference when you look at Cincinnati, this is in the past versus an Alabama, which obviously is, you know, one to, you, you certainly want to try to, uh, emulate is you know they can go three deep let's take an Ohio State even to make it closer to home they can go three deep tackle to tackle and not have a big drop off so I always felt that in Cincinnati's case the one area that they didn't have the depth that they needed was at the O-line and I think you know if you would ask coach Fickle um, he's going to say well we'd like to have more depth there but they feel that they have more depth there this year than they've had in the past um, that being said, um, I look at this team and I say, okay, who can you not afford to lose from an injury standpoint? Well, you know, without question, the number one choice is Desmond Ritter, right? But I think the second person you have to look at is Jake Renfro, the center. And not that Jake's the greatest. He's not an All-American yet, although he was a freshman All-American in some cases. 
Um, he really makes things go, and we all know how important the center position is in reference to recognize pre-snap calls, you know, from what the defense is showing and those kind of things. Not to mention, you know, the, the second part of his job, which is to get the ball to the quarterback. And, and he's been, for you know, on a cautious side, they've had him out a little bit. And Vinny McConnell's been filling in at center, and he's done a great job. And, and you see in that particular case, you see Lorenz Metz move into right guard. And, but at the same time, in the tackles, who you lost both of them last year, they filled in admirably, in my, case, in, my, in my opinion, of losing two tackles to potentially NFL. So I think they're stronger there. But at the same time, you'd like to see a little bit more depth. So that's an area that I've really watched. I think there's depth, no question there's depth in the secondary. No question there's depth at, even at linebacker. Um, defensive front, there's certainly depth at the running back. Um, you know, I think there is there, but then I, I go back to like three years ago, I want to say when we had, um, you know, we had the truck and we had uh, Dokes and we had uh, Chuck and, and it looked Davion like the Thomas was the deep. Yeah, exactly. Like the running back room was the deepest. And all of a sudden three weeks into camp, uh, two or three of them are dinged up or down. And, you know, we, we, you get, you don't have a lot of options there. So anything can change, but I like the depth at all positions. And I'd really, I'm really excited to see depth at the O-line. Um, you know, I look at uh, Colin Woodside, who's a, another guy who's dinged up a little bit, but he's going to be able to fill in. And so maybe they're not at the three deep, like an Alabama and Ohio State or even a Georgia or, you know, pick your, your top 10 team. But, but I clearly think they can go eight, nine, 10 deep this year and, uh, and not drop off a whole lot. And I think that's going to be incredibly important because running the football, number one, is going to be key to these guys. And then secondly, protecting Des Ritter. Let, let's, let's again with the follow-up there. How do you adequately judge how good an offensive lineman in when, is when he is tasked with stopping Myjay Sanders every day? Because... <laughs> Yeah. A lot of times you just look bad. Like even if you're doing everything right, you look bad. You're right about that, Chad. You're absolutely right. You're not going to stop him all the time. But can you think of a better way to get practice and to go yeah. against him? I mean, you think about it. I mean, you're going against one of the top defensive rush guys in the country. I mean, if not the best. And and you're being able to get out there and and get a hat on him and at least shove him around the outside so your quarterback can step up into the pocket and make a throw. So, and you know, and, and he's not the only one there. You got a, you got interior linemen that yeah. are really, really good. You got Van on the other side, you know, and you got some good linebackers and, you know, and no doubt about it, Mike Trussell's going to blitz the heck out of people with these corners that he has. So, I mean, it's a scary defense. It really is. But, you know, back to the offensive line, which I do think is a key spot. It gets them ready, no doubt about it. Well, it's, it's the best defensive line they're going to face all year. It, it, it is. You're so if you can, right. if you can improve over the, you know, two and a half, three weeks of camp, I would think it bodes well for you when the competition isn't quite as good. Yeah, no, agree all the way. I mean, they're going to face, and I've kind of gone through the the league folks, and there's some good D linemen out there that they're going to be playing against, not to mention your, your non-conference guys, you, um, you know, with, with Notre Dame and Indiana. And I think Miami has a, a rush end as well, who's highly touted and reading a little bit about them earlier this week. So yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're getting a lot of, you know, reps out there against people that are going to help them down the road. No doubt about it. 
last year, the, the appointment television at practice every day for me, and I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, was, was watching Jay Sanders and James Hudson clash every day. And, and, and I would find myself for five, 10 minutes at a time, just not able to take my eyes off of those two guys because there was such a cat and mouse on Maje trying to figure out what he had to do to get free. And then James trying to stay one step ahead of him this year. And it doesn't happen as much, but are your eyes as drawn to Ahmad Gardner, Alec Pierce as, <laughs> as much as mine are, because that feels like you have to watch those two go at it every year. Or every I, had no, I, I had no idea we were going with that question, but I was going to say, watch Alec Pierce and Ahmad Gardner. It's the same thing. You've got two hungry guys who are extremely good at their positions trying to beat the other guy. And nobody wants to lose. And you are absolutely right. Uh, Sanders and Hudson last year, same exact thing, different positions. But to watch Pierce and Gardner go at it has been absolutely, to me, a blast to watch. And both of them win. Both of them win. You know, there'll be times when – you know, Gardner tips the ball away or he, you know, he, he, he is able to come in there and break the ball up. And there's times Pierce will get a step on him and the ball's thrown right in the right spot. And he's in either scores if it's a goal line thing or he makes the catch. It, it's absolutely a blast to watch. I, I, I can't get enough of it. I agree with you. Now, here's something I, I'm interested to get your reaction to. After practice today, I'm, I interviewed Vinny McConnell, and he was, take, he was getting some extra snaps in at the end of practice, so I was waiting a little bit. And, and Sauce comes up to me out of nowhere, and he's got a smile on his face. And he's, there's been like a running, you know, that, that pass wasn't complete because the quarterback got sacked. or They're having fun with each other yeah. in a competitive way. And he comes up to me out of nowhere, and he says, you notice how physical – Pierce was being with me at the line of scrimmage. We're making each other better. And he was like beaming. Like he was so proud of the fact that that iron sharpens iron every day was resulting in Pierce getting the better of him at times, because to him, that meant Alec was improving to one that shows the brotherhood of this team. And two, it shows the personality of sauce. Uh, we don't, we haven't heard a ton from him over his four-year career in terms of just being a, an out-front vocal guy. That, to me, spoke worlds about that kid, that he was just genuinely giddy that Pierce was taking that next step and was able, in some of those reps, to beat him. Even though, as competitive as they are, he'll find a way at the, in the moment to say, that, that wasn't good. He didn't beat me that time. But he knows it, and I think he's really proud of the fact that his game has taken Alex's game to another level. That's cool to me. It'd be very cool to me as well. And, and I get where he's coming from. Said, well, you know, that, that, you know, that pass didn't come out of the quarterback's hands for more than three and a half seconds. And <laughs> he would have been sacked or he would have run the ball or whatever. I get that. That's the competitive edge of it. But I like the fact that he is clearly trying to make, you know, in this case, Alec better Alec the same way with sauce. I mean, he's, you know, obviously very good at what he does. And, and he is a true, you know, I mean, you look at the way that he does cover, um, he's on your hip at all times, but Alex has been able to get the best of him at times. Um, but I, lo I love it. And, and, and I've had situations in the past when I played, um, you beat somebody and it was, 
you know, okay, maybe you made the catch. Well, you know, they don't like that. They run you down and they tackle you. Even if it's 60 yards down the field, you keep running and they don't like the fact that you, in this particular case, I'm just going to use the term showed them up. And that's not the true term. It's like you beat them one time, they beat you the next time. You know, it's one of those things that makes you better, just like exactly like you're describing. But I've had people that don't take it that way that I'm helping him get better. I'm helping him get better on the other side of them, the offensive side, defensive side. They don't like the fact that you're showing them up. And I don't know that showing them up is the right term. You're just trying to beat the guy in the play. And that's what it's all about. Who are a couple guys, maybe offensively, defensively, that haven't been key contributors yet, but that you think are kind of on the cusp to, to being breakout guys that, you know, fans should make sure they keep an eye on? Well, I mean, I think on the defensive side of the ball, the, you know, there's not a lot of names over there people don't know in the starting 11. Um, how, that being said, you know, you, you know, you can't play 80 plays a game or 80 snaps a game. So there's clearly going to be guys on the defensive side that, um, that are going to be called on to, uh, to get in there. And it, as strong as that secondary is, one of the, th the guys that I've seen there, and in, it's because Kobe Bryant's a little bit dinged up um, right now, and they're just being cautious with, on him as far as getting him in there, is Todd Bumpus. He, he plays very, very well. And, you know, he's a guy that the, nobody's going to know the name. He's a freshman, um, but he's getting in there, and, and I see him doing a lot of good things. And here's a name you might know from last year, but I see, and he's getting, he probably will, you know, depending on the, um, on the defense that they've got in there at the time that, that he'll be in there is Ty Van Bossen. And he played a, a good bit last year, but he's been all over this year. And so if you look at it that way defensively, you know, those are two guys that I see really making an impact. And let's talk the linebacker. Remember the three guys from Cincinnati, um, David Jones and Pace and uh, Thomas, those three guys from Princeton, Lakota West and Cole Rain, who all came in together um, didn't really, you know, yeah, we mentioned last year on the radio, okay, they're in the gang, you know, they didn't do a whole lot. They were not in there for meaningful snaps most of the time, unless they were on special teams, all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're kind of on the doorstep. And when these guys that, um, you know, the, the linebackers that have been there a while, when they go out and Chad and I were together today, when uh, Thomas made Oof. unbelievable hit, you know, and you're really not trying to tag the guys too hard. But he just kind of put his shoulder into a guy, and it's like, holy cow, that was, uh, that was an outstanding play. So those guys, all three of them across the board, they're all going to get playing time. Um, they're going to spell off the starting linebackers. And I think, you know, honestly, I can say this, I think next year they're going to be stars. They really are. They're that good. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, the people that don't really follow the program say, eh, you know, maybe those guys weren't as good of recruits as, as we thought they were. You know, those are great names, but – you know, they played here in Cincinnati, and that's the only reason they got notoriety. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Where do you see these guys, and where do they get their chance? And you're going to see you know, a lot more of them this year. And you know what, Jim? I think there's three more behind them that I've been paying attention to a little bit more over the last couple of days because it feels like they're starting to figure it out. And they were getting reps together with the third team today. Cam Jr. from Middletown. Yep. Leroy Bowers from Princeton, and then Jack Dingle, who's a legacy from Louisville Trinity. But those three look the part. Right? Those three look like 
exactly the same things we were saying about David Jones, Jaheim Thomas, Deshaun Pace at this time last year. I think we're not saying, I'm not saying enough about those three freshman linebackers that all of a sudden, once you see, you know, uh, Joel DeBlanco and Darian Beavers and those guys mm-hmm. move on, there's not just one or two guys ready. There's a wave coming of linebackers that that are, are going to keep this defense great for a long time because what does Mike Trussell love? Linebackers. And he's yeah. got them in spades. Yeah, think about it. you got six guys there competing next year. Not to mention, I mean, there's others as well. Yeah. Um, Brody Engel yeah, I mean, from LaSalle and, and – Yep. Yeah, and, and Van Fossen's back. So, I mean, you yeah, got, you, you've got unbelievable amount of talent out there. And, um, yeah, and, and Jack Dingle, you know, you're thinking of Jacob, who's, a, you know, kind of a safety guy and a smaller guy. Um, all of a sudden, you're looking at Jack Dingle and say, whoa, he's a lot bigger than his brother. <laughs> and he had some nice plays. He absolutely had some nice plays today. So, yeah. That, and that's all good. I mean, and, you know, Chad, you guys do such a wonderful job on the recruiting trail in reference to, you know, you know, who, you know, who's looking at Cincinnati, who's committed. And I follow that and, you know, that particular end of it. it and, you know, the folks that don't follow it closely, you go, okay, well, you know, it looks like the class of 21 is a good class. Yeah. It's ranked, you know, whatever, wherever it was, 22 is looking real good right now. 23 is just starting, but I mean, coach Fickle and the staff, they're not letting up. They're adding three guys at linebacker every year, just like the two years that we just named there. So, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely phenomenal what Coach Fickle's been able to do and his staff, of course. Um, but it's good. It's really good. It's nice to have those kind of choices and create that competition on the field. Do you have anybody on the offensive side that you think could, could fit in that same type of category? Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, Trying to think, um, you know, the tight end position, it was pretty locked up in reference to Lenny Taylor and, and um, uh, Josh. Josh. Uh, yeah, Josh. And, and then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy like Nate Lawyer, who's, you know, coming out of nowhere. And you got other guys that are coming in. Singletary has been a highly rated tight end. And, um, you know. Shamama Taylor is a tank. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> that tight end position where um, – you know, going back to Kelsey, which has always been kind of a Cincinnati mainstay that we got good tight ends, it's going to be extremely strong. And I'm watching the competition there. And I like the fact that um, they can get a couple of those guys on the field at the same time. I don't know that we're going to see four of them on the field like we have a year ago or a year, two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And, and, and Wiley's kind of a different guy in reference to, you know, being six foot six and he'll play in that slot. And yes, he's considered a tight end, but he's more of a hybrid guy. Um, but God only knows what that guy can do when he's healthy. And I think, you know, I think he's going to have a breakout year as well. So I, I look at those guys and I, you know, I don't throw them into the wide receiver slot, you know, or spot rather, but Wiley could be put in there and, and, and throw him in with the guys that we mentioned before when we were talking about wideouts. And he's fabulous. And I like all the running backs. I really do. Ford, no question about it. Number one. I've always liked Ryan Montgomery. He seems to get yards, and I like what he does on the punt returns as well. So I really Ethan Wright, him. Ethan Wright catching the football, love yep. it, absolutely. Chuck, same thing. Um, I realize he's gone through two knee injuries. We're talking about Charles McClellan, of course, 
Um, he's gone through two knee injuries, but I watched him the other day catch a ball on a swing pass, and you would never have known he had anything done to that knee. He it, the burst was so incredibly fast. But you know whether he can, uh, you know, he gets hit in the knee and how that withstands it. You know, time will tell. But I like the running backs. I really do. You know, I mean, I I, I think you know the the key there. Uh, if we're looking at the offensive side and we're looking at depth, already mentioned the O line, and, and certainly Evan Prater is a you know, a big key of that, if indeed Dez would, you know, get nicked up or get hurt. I mean, and, and hopefully that won't happen because we haven't even talked about him, but I can't tell you how incredible he looks. I mean, his ball is just absolutely beautiful right now. That's kind of where I thought, yeah, was going to naturally go next is just me personally, like, I know it was against twos and threes, but he just, in the spring to now, it's not even – Comparable. He's he's taken strides in every facet of the game. What has been the most, I guess, encouraging thing from your perspective, watching him go from what we saw in March and April to now what we're seeing in August? So I'm I'm going to defer to somebody who knows a lot more about it than I do, and that's Gino Gadouli. Um, he's the quarterback coach, of course. He, he said he is so farther along than Des was as a redshirt freshman than, you know, I mean, light years ahead. And the one thing I did notice, and I've watched him really close the last couple of times I've been out there, um, when he doesn't have to make a decision. So let's say it's a quick slant. Um, it's, a, it's a wide receiver screen. You've already predetermined where you're going to throw the football, right? Um He's really, really good. He's unbelievably effective where you see him. And I won't say, I won't, I don't want to use the word struggling, but um, where you see him a little behind Des is when he's dropping back and going through the different reads and the different, you know, his transitions on where he's going to put the football. You can just see the wheels turning in his head. And, and that's, that it's not uncommon at all, particularly you're, you, you know, you're barely two years into a program. You're still fit, trying to figure all that out. He's much better to what to your comment, Dave. He's much better now than he was in the spring. Um, but that's an area where you can kind of see him. And you know, and when I say that, I, I just kind of see him looking right, looking left, looking middle. Um, the ball stays in his hand a little bit longer. But when he's when he knows where he's going with the football, that football will be there. So I, I'm not worried about him long term. Um, he is um, one of those things where you know. He hasn't played a whole lot of snaps. Let's hope that, particularly in the first two games, that uh, he gets some snaps, you know, in meaningful time, you know, third quarter, maybe even second quarter. I'm being optimistic there. Um, <laughs> and he gets in there, you know, when he's still playing against first-team guys on the other side of the football, and he's able to get some snaps under his belt and feel more comfortable. I have no doubt about him long-term. It's just you can tell he's a young guy and he's still learning. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just – that to me was just the biggest question is when you have two guys transfer out yep. and you know, the history as well as, as most of our listeners. I mean, I don't know what the run was where we went a whole year where one quarterback took all the snaps. I mean, some years it was three quarterbacks. So, you know, we just, five, five. Yeah. five in 2000, oh, yeah. uh, in 2008. <laughs> uh, just to That's see Tony was soft. Well, <laughs> It's not despairing. Yeah, he was a wimp, too. <laughs> I mean, when you get that old, you're on your, like, sixth, seventh year. I mean, your body just starts <laughs> to break down. And, you know, 
Yeah, we'll you're only what Tony four, on this one. <laughs> you're only what four or five years older than him. <laughs> no. No, he's your broadcast partner. We're, we're allowed to get him to rib him a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like ball with my son, so I can't say that. So. I, I I take heat. The people from Delhi come after me when I jab at Tony a little bit. And it's like it's in it's in fun. Relax. Yeah, no, it's all Tony. great guy. Love him to death, and uh, yeah, he, I'm sure he'd be giggling the same as we are. <laughs> so we all know that kind of from an offensive standpoint, the step we'd like to see taken is more big plays, better completion percentage on downfield throws. With so many returning guys coming back, I feel like it's an opportunity to diversify the offense a little bit, add new wrinkles. Is there anything that you've seen or anything that you hope to see that, yes, still in the framework, but maybe different personnel groupings or different ways to attack uh, attack teams being that, you know, almost all of the rich guy main contributors have been on the team for several years and it should be a little bit easier to implement those things. Yeah. I tell you, tell you what I, well, I have noticed it and um, haven't had a chance to talk to Mike Dembrock about it. And, he, and I, I, if I do, I want to specifically ask him this because I didn't see a lot of it last year, but no doubt about it, you know, since, since we went into last season, particularly in the beginning of last year, um, Des was criticized for overthrowing receivers and or underthrowing them in some cases. Um, and it worked on the, on the deep ball, right? So it's very obvious that they're going to try to continue to do that. And in my opinion, he has clearly gotten better at it, letting these guys get the ball out there and let these guys run under it. You know, yeah, Alec Pierce in the past, He's been that 50-50 guy. He takes a 50-50 ball and makes it a, you know, an 80-20 just because of his, his vertical leap and the fact that he's six foot three and he's an athlete and a half. Um, but I'm not just talking that. I've seen, um, you know, I, I, I've seen Tyler Scott catch deep routes. I've seen Trey Tucker catch deep routes. I've seen Mike Young catch deep routes. But here's what I like about it the most. So the way that they've set this up, and, and this is a question I would ask Denbrock, they're always trailing a guy underneath, okay? When I say that, so you're sending a guy on a post route, maybe he's in a slot on the left side, the outside guy's doing the post route, tight end's coming across to try to occupy the safety. Then you're sending the guy, the second guy, on that right slot across the field, and he's kind of an outlet guy. And they have hit that route, I'm telling you, time after time after time. Not a, it's, not, it's not the big gainer that's down the field, like if you're taking the shot with Pierce or Mike Young, but you're hitting, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Jaden Thompson or um, Jordan Jones. Those guys are peeling off, shooting down the field about eight, 10 yards, kind of cutting back in, doing a dig route, coming across all the way. It might, if they're starting to right, that pass might be thrown over on the left side, you know, outside the left hash. So I like the fact that they're trying to go for the deep one, but they've got a nice little safe outlet there that'll still pick them up five, six, eight, ten 10 yards. I love the short passing game. That might not be considered short passing. That might, when you're talking short passing game, you're talking more the, uh, you know, the five yard outs or the quick, you know, maybe hitches or quick screens where you got a couple blockers out there, those kind of things. But I like the way that they've, um, they've got this passing game going right now. And it, it, to me, I, I think it's a no brainer because you know, if you, if you can't hit the big one, you can't get a 40 or a 50 yard or a touchdown. Let's go ahead and take the six or eight yards. Yeah. I mean, you could still have the 
deep ball kind of vacate the area and then you, you bring a guy in kind of behind him, like you're saying, to where then there should be no not no defender there because they've they've you know they've had their attention drawn to you know whoever's running right by him. You know how it is. Someone runs right by your face Absolutely. and you automatically turn your head and yeah. almost start running with them and then you have someone come in right you know underneath them. It's funny, you know, the formations got different names. These I'm going back to when I played, right, which was a long time ago. The formations have different names. Um, you know, the routes have different names. But at the same time, it really hasn't changed that much. You want to occupy a guy so you can open up an area in that same zone or that same, you know, that same area. It's all the same combinations. It's just changed a little bit in nomenclature and the way that, you know, the way that the formations clearly have changed. But, but all in all, it's the same game. You're just trying to, you know, you're trying to decoy somebody, think you're going here, and then you bring somebody else in an area where they're not. It, it's really a – I don't want to make it sound simple because it's not, um, because defenses are doing the same thing. They're, they're changing things on their side to, to mess you up and to really confuse you. And, you know, it's a constant cat and mouse game. Um, but at the same time, things really haven't changed that much in a whole bunch of years. They've been doing that a lot with the tight end screen game too. I mean, they had that flair that they've been running for years. I think they realized teams were kind of catching on to that. Well, ask Georgia that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Tulsa had that thing, you know, yeah. mapped out pretty well also, but they've, they've d- diversified that tight end screen game. It is, it is not left. They're just finding different ways to do it. And with yeah. Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor, you're getting guys that can make plays in space. Yeah, well, I mean, those are your athletes. I mean, you got them everywhere now, so you might as well use them. And, you know, they've thrown to the backs a lot too, but you're absolutely right, Chad. So that RPO that where, you know, Wiley was the recipient most of the time last year, where you, you, run, you run your outside guy down, usually a corner route can be different routes, depending on what the defense has given you. And then you bring Wiley, he'll start from maybe the right side, go back to the center, turn around and go back. And um, then he goes – as he goes out, he goes maybe three yards down the field out in the right flat. Quarterback rolls right, gives him an option of either throwing to Wiley in, in the Georgia game where they, they jumped on Wiley and he threw the ball down to Mike Young down the field. Um, or, you know, he has the option of running the ball. You're, you're absolutely right. Tulsa and Georgia caught on to that one and we're all over it. So it's neat that they've diversified it and they're still utilizing the same guys and it's still got that RPO feel to it, but it's a whole different um, – it's a whole different look. And, you know, and, and, and as the year goes on, people will adjust to that as well. But I have no doubt that Cincinnati will adjust that play as well or those series of plays. They run it from a number of different um, formations. But, um, the, you know, why not use Wiley? Why not use Lenny Taylor? Why not use your other tight ends? Use your running backs. Those guys, I mean, Ford, how would you like to go out there and hit him in the thigh when he's catching the ball full speed? you know, doing a wheel route or, you know, a swing route out of the backfield. No, thank you. I don't want to get in front of that. He squatted 545 <laughs> pounds nine times. I know. I mean, it's not to mention, so I don't want to bring up the Georgia game too much, but watching him pull away from that secondary um, in SEC secondaries are the fastest people in college football. And I'm not just SEC, but secondaries i can speak for the guys that i want to No, you're sec especially georgia i mean georgia's recruited 
better yeah. than anybody in the nation over the past Those five years. Those guys are all four, three somethings over there. Yeah. And he pulled away from them. Now I realize they were a little flat footed when they started the chase, but normally they catch you and they didn't catch him at all. Where's your kind of, you know, getting past the first couple games, not look, you know, I always joke, like I'm a fan. I can look past all the games. What I think doesn't matter, you know, it's the players and the coaches, but just your general excitement level to see this team go to Indiana, nationally ranked, you know, going to be on either ESPN or ABC at noon, take a week off, then go to Notre Dame, national game on NBC, like, and how it's kind of just lined up in this perfect storm of finishing the year last year the way they did. A lot of people thinking they should have at least gotten discussed more for the playoff and then right. rolling, that, rolling that into what is probably going to be, you know, top 10 top 12 rankings and just kind of like where that lines up is you know yes you cover you cover the team broadcast the games but you know from a you is just you know taking that aside like the fan perspective the excitement level you have personally for for those two games well yeah i mean if, if i take it from the fan perspective um gosh you know that is you absolutely want that and you know and i guess if i'm a fan also i look at last year as Okay, yeah, they lost the Peach Bowl, but they set the table. They they flirted with that college football playoff, right? They didn't quite get there, but they flirted with it. Well, now they're they're now they're back, and if they're able to, um, you know, take and run that table, um, then then they've got the opportunity to take it a step farther, and maybe just maybe, um, you know, until the thing goes to twelve teams, which you know who knows if that's going to happen and when. But maybe they get into that number four spot. But, you know, there's a lot of work to do before that. In those two games that you're talking about in the middle there, Dave, absolutely phenomenal that, you know, that here they are with the best team they've had at least preseason in a long, long time. And they've got the opportunity to go on the road and play at Bloomington. It gets a really good Indiana team, but a team that they can beat. Um, and then you'll even take it a step further against another top 10 team when you go to South Bend and you're playing in, in, in a spot that is kind of a sacred spot, um, had an opportunity to, to see a game there, not a Cincinnati Notre Dame game, but a Notre Dame game. And it is pretty special. And it's going to be, you know, quite a, quite a thing for the fans that have never been there as well as the team. And you've got an opportunity to beat them, you know. So if you think about it, and, and I'm not trying to bypass what's coming after that, because the league's, in my opinion, is much better this year as well. Um, but that being said, if you can get through those four games and you're four and zero going into the who was the first Temple game? Temple. Um, my goodness, you know, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be way up there. Uh, but you got to win those games, and you know, and I know if I, if you were talking to Coach Fickle right now, he said, "Hey, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa! All we're worried about is Miami right now." And um, you know, and, and there's something to be said about that too. Um, you know, one game at a time, and, and, and as I said at the outset when we were you know, talking about an outlook for the team this year is Coach Fickle ha seems to get these guys ready for every game. He won't let them look ahead. He finds a way to keep them focused on the task at hand or the first game, and then he'll move on to Murray State. Then he'll move on to Indiana. Then he's got a bye week, and they can make some adjustments, change some things up, and then they, then they get ready to go South Bend. And uh, that's just going to be a huge game. And there's so much national interest in that locally here. Um, you know, growing up a Catholic in, in Cincinnati, you know, Notre Dame was kind of, they were a big deal around here. Just, you know, that's, and then again, college football on television was totally different back then, but you saw on Sunday morning, the, uh, 
you know, the Notre Dame game was on, you know, so you got to see that. So um, there, 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 there's going to be a lot of interest in that game. And if Cincinnati's able to go, you know, three and zero and go into South Bend, that's going to be one well of a football game. I, I really do believe so. You mentioned Luke and, and you've been around this program a long, long time. What is it about him that makes him such a perfect fit for Cincinnati that makes him, I, I watch him operate. I, I can't imagine anyone in the country being a better college football coach than that guy. Like I, he just, there's just something about him that's so different than anybody else I've ever, I, I've been doing this 25 years. The first coach I met was maybe the biggest asshole I ever worked with was, was, <laughs> was Jim Donnan at Marshall. I don't know if you had any Jim Donnan experiences. I, I don't, I know the name certainly. <laughs> Not a guy that I cared much for. Um, what, but did you see this coming when he got the job? And, and it, it's just so incredible to watch how comfortable in his skin he is now. It, that, like, this is the job that he was meant to do. Well, I think if, if you look at the way people perceived it at the time, so you have to think back to, um, I don't remember the exact December year. 2016. Well, no, no, not that. I was, oh, I was going, the 2011. I was going back to when he took over for Jim yeah. Tressel. 2011, yeah. I think it was. And, and that was such a weird deal. So you get thrown in basically Memorial Day, so the end of May. Um, they, they opt to make a coaching change, which never happens. It's usually right after the bowl game or, you know, whenever, if there's a coach that they're making a change. In this particular case, for obvious reasons that didn't tie into performance on the field, they make a change and they – and they and they put Coach Fickle in there, so they they were they were in chaos. And the reason I bring that up is I think the perception was, um, you know, he was six and six there, and that was you know how State you know clearly a failure in reference to what they were used to. So I think there was like, and the people that didn't really follow Ohio State were like, ah, why do we want this guy? He was only six and six. He's not a head coach. Well, that was a lot of years ago, right? And there was a whole lot of uh, work that went into you know number one. Um, you know, is this, is this the guy we want? And so all of that being said, when he got the job and I got a chance to talk to him the first time, I didn't know him prior to that. I certainly knew who he was based on, you know, him as a player, him as a coach at Ohio state, but there was something special about him right away. And ironically today at practice, um, Mark D'Antonio is there. And Mark, of course, defensive coordinator at Ohio State came down to Cincinnati. And I got to know Mark real well in the three years Mark was here. And I will say this, Mark was just an outstanding guy. He's a good man, you know, family man, um, treated everybody. He, he, Chad, you've been around a lot of coaches. I didn't know the guy at Marshall. But Mark D'Antonio could not lie to you. Um, and coaches are very good at lying, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. And that being said, you could tell in Mark's eyes when he was trying, I won't say lie, but when he was like not being able to go and be totally truthful with you, you knew what was going on and loved him. Sorry to see him leave. Fortunately, he had a phenomenal career at Michigan State. It was great to catch up with him today and spend a little time with him chatting. But when I saw when I, when I met Luke Fickle the first time, at least from I, I couldn't judge him on the football field yet or as a coach, but same type of demeanor, kind of really down to earth, family guy, straight shooter. And that's what I liked at him about him. 
Well, then, you know, the 2017 season, oh my God, I, I was close to suicide. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and, and I blamed most of it on the previous regime, but at the same time, it's like, you know, you should be able to do better than this. However, I will say this, and I can say this with the utmost honesty. I have never seen a college football team go from as bad as this team was in 2017 to as good as they were in 2018. I've never, ever, ever, I'm not talking about UC, I'm talking about any college football team, turn it around like that. And I became a believer after that. And since then, it's only grown and grown and grown. And you throw in there the fact that he's had opportunities to leave and you know, and I think even Mark D'Antonio, when he was leaving Michigan State, and, and Luke was certainly being um, thrown around as a name to, as a replacement, I think he and Mark talked a lot, and Mark wanted him to go up there because he's very similar. Mark knew that as well. They spent a lot of time together. But uh, Luke opted to stay here. And, I mean, I think there's a lot in what he's got going right now, what he's built, to use his words, is we're building something special here. And that being said, um, I, I just I, 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 I think the world of him is a man. Um, he surrounded himself with good coaches, but he has a very keen eye for running the game right. Um, you know, he's learned along the way. I don't think his uh, clock management early, you know, in 2017 and 18 were all that great, but he's learned how to do that. Um, you know, some would uh, say maybe you could have run a few more seconds off in the in the in the peach bowl. But uh, that being said, I, I, I really, I, I, I think the world of him. And like I said, in what started this whole conversation is the way that he gets these guys ready. Psychologically, he won't let them feel like, okay, we don't even need to worry about Miami or Murray State. Let's, let's start working on Indiana. And it's the farthest thing from his mind. Um, you know, they are working on Miami, not yet, but they will be. They will not, he will not let them look beyond Miami. And that's the thing that he's been able to do well. Other coaches will say that, but they don't really mean it, you know, and you can tell that when you look in a coach's eye, um, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to be two and oh, let's worry about Indiana. Nope. That's not, that's not what he's thinking right now. Got anything else, Dave? Yeah, I'll do. I'll got, I got one more. So have you started kind of looking at, uh, the schedule as far as league teams and, and if you have like, who, who are you thinking is, you know, I think you see obviously with the preseason poll, they were kind of the clear cut front runner to win the league. You know, in your mind is, is their biggest competition still going to be UCF or is there someone else that you think is going to be maybe better than, than they were uh, ranked? Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I think everybody, um, I shouldn't say everybody. I think, I think they're all going to improve for the most part. Um, so Temple, you know, certainly they're struggling right now. And the fact that it's in Nipper, you know, they're, I don't know where they're going to be. I, I, they're, they're one that I, I, I and again, if coach, coach Fickle heard me saying it this way, he would, he would slap me, you know, they're not one I'm worried about because he will be, but at the same time, you know, I don't see them, you know, certainly being a threat to win the league this year. Um, second games, UCF. And I, and I do look at them as being good. I, you know, coaching changes are always tough. Uh, the fact that it's the, I don't know where it falls on UCF schedule, but it's the uh, sixth game on Cincinnati schedule. Let's just call it midseason. Um, all the, the growing pains that the Malzahn crew is going to have, 
is going to be over by then. They're going to be they're going to be a much better team in week six than they are in week one. So yeah, they worry me, but I like the fact that it's uh, that's it that's it Nipper. Um, then you go on to Navy, I believe, and I'm, I don't have these in front of me, so if I'm missing one, um, you know, and I, and I think they're rebuilding, and I think you've got an opportunity there. You know, if Marcus Freeman uh, he figured out a way to stop that run, and uh, I think I think Mike Tressel is going to certainly follow the same formula. The, the one that I really look to, there's two that I really look to as being improved, and one of them's on the schedule on the road, and that's USF. Um, I'm not sure how good they're going to be, but I, I think that um, I think they're going to be a much improved football team this year. And the fact that that's a Friday night on the road, and I don't want to say it's a trap game by any means because it's, I don't mean it that way, but I think you're going to have to play well to beat them on the road. And the other one that, um, that I really look at that I believe is going to be improved, you have to play on the road as well as Tulane. Um, I don't know that they're going to contend for the, you know, for the AAC title, the American title, but they're certainly improved. Um, SMU is always good. Um, East Carolina, you know, it's funny. They didn't get a lot of love in the preseason poll at all, but Cincinnati seems to go down there and struggle at times and uh, have uh, won that one in the last second with a, you know, Sauce Gardner interception, pick six, um, as well as a couple of field goals at the end of the game. So, you know, I think the league's wide open. I, I mean, it's clearly Cincinnati's the favorite, and it's no doubt because as far as they went last year that they were going to be picked as the favorite. We've seen that year in and year out. Whoever goes the farthest, we saw it with Memphis, we saw it with UCF, um, we've seen it with Houston over a period of time. But but I I I I do think the league's improved, um, and I think we need the league to be improved. Who knows where it's going to go right now with. Um, you know, with league, uh, with league reaffiliations and things like that. So having the AAC better across the board, I think is good for everybody. Final question before we let you go. And you have been more than gracious with your time. This has been uh, probably one of definitely my favorite episodes we've done in this, the lead up to this season, because you have such great insight on things. I know you've always felt like it was possible here and we've seen it with the sugar or with the orange bowl, with the peach bowl, with the Sugar Bowl, but when you see top 10 in the coaches poll, when you see Ahmad Gardner, first team All-American, MyJ Sanders, second team All-American, when you see mock drafts with three, four, you see players mentioned in the first couple rounds, is there ever a moment that like just the pride kind of swells up where you're like, man, I've, I put so much time and, and so much of my life into this. And to see it making this jump, like your, your eyes get a little wet. Somebody's cutting some onions. What's, what's that been like for you this off season as we lead into this? Yeah, no doubt about it, Chad. I mean, I think back to, um, you know, my dad was at the university for 35 years, both as a coach and as a, you know, an administrator in the athletic department. And I watched the struggles that he had and they just trying to get people to the stadium. And then, you know, the years of uh, whatever, two and nine, two and 10, three and eight, three and, you know, uh, three and 11 or not three and 11, but uh, yeah, th you know, three and three whatever. And whatever. Three and nine. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Pick, pick your bad years, you know, the 81 to nothing loss at Penn State, um, you know, the 66 to three loss at West Virginia, those kind of things. And I think about the struggles um, of all those people before us. And, and when I started in 88 and I did a few years, the guy by the name of Dave Curry was a coach the first year I did it and they were horrendous. 
Um, and then Tim Murphy came in, did a couple of years with him. And then he ended up having a good last year, moved on. And then Rick Minner came in and, and it was up and down for a while. But at the same time, I, I'm going to give Rick Minner some credit here because, you know, even though it was Conference USA, um, you could see that, you know what, you can do it here. You really can. It's going to take the right person. It's going to take the right amount of time. It's going to take some resources. But if you build it from, you know, from the ground up, you can do it. Well, you know, and, and let's let's skip to Mark D'Antonio, who did a really nice job and, and kept it going. Um, Butch Jones, I don't really have a whole lot to say there. But uh, um, <laughs> and then Brian Kelly, no doubt about it, um, you know, did a wonderful job, left the place a lot. You know, there's a whole lot of people that don't like him because of the way he left, but he, he left the place a whole lot better than he did uh, than, than when he came. And then, and, and, uh, you know, beyond that, what, what Coach Fickle's been able to do and the fact that he's, you know, stayed when he's had opportunities to leave and what he's building here, um, it, it does. It, it, you know, it's like you're chopping an onion. Um, you know, there's, there's two times that one was – so when going back to the 2009 game at Pittsburgh, um, when they missed the extra point at the end, I, I knew we were going to win the game. I really did. And I, I, you guys have heard me at times. I might scream over Dan. Horst yes, 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 yes. All, <laughs> all right. That's one. And, you know, the 33 fist pumps and, <laughs> and that's so I wouldn't say anything. Um, I took my headset off so that I wouldn't ruin Dan's call because I knew we were going to win the game. I really did. And I, right after that, when I took it off and I, you know, you mentioned tears, I, I just started crying, you know, not bawling by any means, but, you know, tears are rolling down my cheeks. Um, and, and it was the same last year. It really was the Tulsa game. Um, I don't, I don't think, you know, last year was a weird year. We all know that, um, you know, games being canceled, postponed, pushed back the way that the conference championship ended, but the fact that the Bearcats won it, it was a bad year, you know, in reference, the good year on the field, but bad year as far as fans being able to be there. And, and I think that was part of it. Part of it was the emotion to see them win the conference for the first time ever and to, uh, you know, to win it in, in a walk-off style like that. Same thing, you know, I, I just, a tear comes into your eyes. And, and I, I can remember saying this to Dan, you know, can you, Friggin' believe we're at the Orange Bowl. I said it to him last year. We're at the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, it, it's been great. And it's been a great run. And, you know, I don't know how many, much, how many, many years I'll do this, but um, I, can't, I can't tell you how proud I am of this program. I think about where it was when I played or the years even before that, and even some of the, a lot of the years after it um, and where it is right now, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, it really is. And um, this is going to be a fun year. And I, and I, I just hope, you know, everything going on out there right now, everybody's going to be allowed in the stands and let's just hope it keeps that way um, because they're going to be a fun team to watch. And if everything goes right, you know, God knows they can run the table. And, and as Dave said earlier, they might just push that committee to get the first, uh, you know, I wouldn't even use the term uh, group of five in the uh, college playoff, but uh, it's a possibility. And, and, and that's a step beyond it. Well, I guess if you look at, you know, the BCS being equivalent to college football playoff, you know, the Bearcats did get in there at one time, but um, that being said, you know, it's a different day, different time and anything's possible. You, you mentioned Dan. I do. I do have, he's going to join us next week. Okay. So we've got you this week, Dan next week, 
Anthony DeFino in, in the, the, the show after that, we're loaded with guests. How awesome is it working with Dan Hort? He's the best. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't tell you. I mean, first of all, he's he's unbelievable pro and so good at what he does. And in an industry where you can run into, I'm going to use your term if it's okay, you can run into assholes. <laughs> um, he's not one. He is just so down to earth. And just he, he's, he's, he's absolutely wonderful to be around. And not only that, I mean, he, he makes all of us better. He makes me, at least me, makes me much better. You know, he, he's just, uh, he knows the game. He knows everything going on in reference to, uh, you know, this is what, this is what we need to do. Here's what we need to improve here and do this and that. He just, he's a great, he's great at guiding me. And, uh, uh, you know, I love working next to him. Absolutely love working next to him. And he's just an absolute pro. And, and when I, you know, when I'm driving around on Sunday or whatever, I'll listen to the Bengals game and he and Dave Lapham and, uh, same thing, just an outstanding broadcast. And he is uh, so very good at what he does. And, and not only that, he's a, he's a great friend and um, just so so much fun to be around. He really is. We have we have a great time when we're in the broadcast booth. We really do. Him and him and Dave are best buds. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 oh, sit around okay. in the okay. that this Dave. They sit around in the spring and talk Bengals draft for hours at practice. Well, there you go, Dave. You made a best buddy then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. You've been great with your time. Appreciate it, my friend. And I will Thank see you. Thank you, Jim. All right, Chad and Dave. Thank you guys very much. We'll, we'll talk soon. I'll probably see you Saturday. Yes, sir. I'll be there. All right. I'll see you All then. Right. See oh, by the way, how can they? Jim plays out all over the place. Music. Explain to them the music stuff and where they can find it, where the, the, the UC fans, the Bearcat Journal members, can keep up with your schedule and come support you. I, I didn't want to get out of here without that. No, no problem. I, I played in bands for years, but I'm doing solo work now. And um, you can find my schedule at jimkellymusic.com or on Facebook at Jim Kelly Acoustic Music. I just do a lot of classic rock, some country, uh, 70s, 80s, stuff like that, maybe a little 60s here and there. And um, I'm, I'm all over town, be it uh, Common Beer Company up in Mason this Friday. Tomorrow. And coming to a farmer's market near you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Careful on that one. <laughs> Rocking out uh, Hyde it. Park Square. I, I did. Thank yeah, I've, I've seen a few too many squashes this year, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, man. Thanks. So we'll, I'll that. see you Saturday, Thank man. You. See you, okay. Jim. Thank you. Uh -huh. You can leave. Thank you. Do you know how to? Do you know how to get out? Yep. There we go. Wow. That's as good as we're gonna get. Yeah, and it's great because like. We're at about an hour, and I don't have anything else to say, so there's no way we're going to get to two hours. So it, it works out. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the kind of, like, when we have, if we have a guest for an hour, there's a chance we could get close to two because it's, it's the two of us talking after that to right. get to whatever we needed to talk to. I think we hit it all. Like, what else do you want me to say? Like I've, we did, the, we did the video the other day that I was at practice. Like I haven't been there this week. Uh, you did a practice report leading up to the pod tonight. I mean, and then Jim Kelly just crushed it. Yeah. And then Jim said, I'll just take it from here. <laughs> That's I'm not kidding. That's as good as we're going to get on this podcast. Yeah. I'm all set. Dan Horn's got a lot to live up to. 
He does. Next week. We got to come up Jim, with some other some other questions. We want to. Yeah. Jim yeah. Kelly set the bar. Set the bar high for. For sure. We've had him. We've had him one other time, haven't we? At we had him a couple once, years back. At least once, yeah. Couple, maybe, but uh, yeah, not last year. So maybe in in twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, I do. I do want to tell a funny story today. From oh, today. So we're um. I don't even remember what exactly it was we were watching, but the first team offense, first team defense were on the field. And my Jay Sanders is lined up over John Williams. And the ball snapped. And my Jay, I told this on Mo Eggers show today, but I wanted to tell it again here for anyone that didn't hear it. My Jay gets off the ball so fast and hits Williams kind of right, like up underneath the pecs where the shoulder pads are. You know, they do the, yeah. like, they practice that nonstop. He gets his, and he, and he bull rushes. Majay's a speed guy. Majay's outside or spin move back inside. He's, he hasn't typically been a bull rush guy, right? No. He hit John Williams in just the right spot. John Williams' arms look like the, the things at car dealers the on a Saturday, the like, inflatables. Just getting rocked back. <laughs> Rock backwards oh and like, yeah, you know, about to fall off a cliff, like right straight, just delivered him to, to Des, like almost like like John Williams was Des's lost dog, and Majay was bringing him home. Like, here you go, I, I brought this for you. If he adds that to the other stuff he already does at an elite level, and you have to worry about trying to get outside with him well that's and that's he just picks thing. you up and takes you six yards holy shit that's the thing is like all these tackles are going to be so concerned with getting quick into their kick step outside fast that you know because they're Which, just afraid he's going to run john around. williams clearly was like he was trying to so, get up and get back he can start that move and then just jam them, you know, like you said, like come back inside a little bit and, and, you know, put two, two palms in their chest plate and they're going to be off balance. Cause they're trying to get their, all their weights trying to get them outside. Yeah. You know, and so he comes back on the inside shoulders. Yeah. It's, it's night, night. Unbelievable. I do. Also, have a, I do have an interesting question for you. Okay, one more thing before you get to your interesting question. Also, Luke Fickle is the bravest man on on the planet. Why? What did he do today? So, you know, it's it's hot. Guys are irritable. It's well, yeah. after practice. Like, you know, temp tempers are kind of on it. And my Jay and, and Jawan Briggs were disagreeing about something. Like, it, it wasn't to the point of, like, they were in each other's face. Or they were just, like, disagreeing with something from, like, 10 feet away from each other. Did he have like a two-on-one tag match against them? No, he like got in the middle of them and like kind of like you go this way, you go this way. This isn't even worth like escalating. There is no way in hell I'm stepping between Jawan Briggs and Maje Sanders. No, you aren't for six, anything. You aren't six four, six five, two, probably two thirty right now. Still. Like that is he could take both those dudes down in less than three <laughs> seconds. Maybe at the same time. Like he you're probably three. you're probably right. Uh, Briggs is a big dude to get down. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. 
So, night practice. The worst. Yeah. Fickle. The worst. Talks after practice. Yeah. Should I read into anything about him mentioning the Godfather? Is he is he gonna find his way on the field? Even I, I with don't, how deep. The I don't line, think like, so. It, it just so, caught my caught my ear that like Curtis, you, know, you you would think defensive line. We got plenty of defensive linemen, but for him to like mention what he does and kind of being the niche guy, like does he get on the field because of that? Is he playing so, at level? Curtis Brooks was out Tuesday night, I think. I think it was back today, but he was he was dinged up. So then you have to have a one A one B with the ones, especially a defensive tackle where right. you're you're getting a guy, so you don't have a guy out there for seven, eight consecutive plays when it's sure. 115 on the turf. So that means Eric Phillips moves up because Jabari Taylor has moved outside, which means Corleone, who is essentially the fourth guy, gets moved up to the second team in that situation because Brooks is out. So Brown and and Phillips move up with the, right. the twos or with the ones. So he was kind of pressed into it. But he didn't look out of place, Dave. Like, that kid, for as big as he is, has some short area. Like, I could see him goal line without well, – you ain't, you ain't moving him. Well, when we – when I was there Monday, <clears throat> first play he went in, I mean, granted, threes, he, first snap, just walked the center right back into the quarterback's lap. Yeah. Yeah. He's – look. Big, strong dude. Big, strong dude. That's all you can really say about Dante Corleone. Like, and 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 he's going to be a factor here. You can guarantee that. He's going to be a factor. So, yeah, I just, I you know, didn't know if Brooks was, was still out, how that, but, you know, usually don't. Luke is not necessarily one to, like, He'll answer your question if you ask him about someone specific. Yeah. But he usually doesn't like bring guys up individually on their own. It, I, I get it. Cause he had a, he had a pretty disruptive practice on Tuesday, Tuesday, Dave. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. The sun went down. It got hotter. <laughs> Cause the humidity went up. Yeah. Like it was disgusting. Tuesday night. Oh my God. Like you just stood and dripped in your own sweat, like just standing in place. It was so hot, like hotter than today. And today it got up to what? Like it felt like 106 outside. Yeah, it was, it was healthy. Tuesday night at higher ground was hotter. That was the most uncomfortable I've been at, at camp higher ground, especially because like it was just humidity. Right. So you couldn't escape like in the shade or if you went to the misters, the misters didn't do anything because the air was already so freaking wet to begin with more wet. You didn't cool. Yeah, no, it was bad. Hats off to those guys for practicing in that shit. Cause ugh, they've definitely had like, you know, coaches always say like they want the hot, you know, the hot weather. They definitely got it this year. Well, tomorrow, Saturday is supposed to be phenomenal. Yeah, are you, are you joining us? Are you gracing us with your presence Saturday? Uh, possibly. I've got some talking to do about it. But 
Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, rain tomorrow looks like, and then we we get a little bit of a break. But I mean, it is definitely it's been hot. A hot couple weeks with no rain, like you know. It's been hot. There's no doubt about that. Did you? Uh, you were dealing with the little one. Did you get yeah, to watch Let It Fly tonight? Not yet. Okay. It's it's um, probably the best one yet. Not yet. No, we we had some stuff some stuff going on. Uh, was basically the arrival at higher ground. I, I did catch like the first few minutes. Um, and, and then you had to go settle down the yeah. little one. Mm-hmm. I, I think my favorite part was Josh Wiley. Uh, they're at the the dorms right when they arrived yeah. at Camp Higher Ground. And Luke's on the phone downstairs and Wiley leans out over the railing and goes, I thought you said we were going to Kings Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wiley pulled out like a 1997 Game Boy out of his yeah. bag. Everybody shows up and they're hooking up their PS5s and their yeah, Xboxes. Yeah, their extra screens and everything. And Wiley's like, I brought mine. Whips yeah. out a little, the little flip screen Game Boy. I mean... I had the I had that the kids original, a trip. I had the original Game Boy. That kid's a trip, man. I love me some Josh Wiley. Oh, yeah. Don't tell don't tell him that though. Oh, he knows. He knows. All right, man. I, I legit like I don't have anything else to talk about. Jim Kelly crushed. No, it. we got. I mean, we got to walk through tomorrow. Can't go watch that scrimmage Saturday. Off day. Off day Sunday. Sunday. Then Monday through Thursday at higher ground. I think that Friday will be next Friday. will be another walkthrough. Uh, the 21st Saturday, they're scrimmaging one last time at higher ground before they break camp Yep. Then and, and head back to Nippert stadium. A couple of days off for school to start and, and then back on the field. Then they'll, then they'll, they'll start getting ready. It's, it's, it's inching ever closer, Dave. Right. It's inching ever yeah. closer. We're like two weeks away from week zero. Yeah. Like, I don't know if people like realize that, which I don't understand why everybody doesn't play in week zero and have like an extra bye week. But yeah, like there's going to be last weekend in August, whatever that is, our game is the fourth. So like 27th, 28th, something like that. There's going to be games to watch. No, all the teams are, you know, whatever. But college football will be back. We are two weeks, two weeks away from. Real games. It's exciting. I, I'm 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 so oh. fired up about this season. I mean, like, I'm already thinking about like how early can I get to the tailgate <laughs> for the Miami game? Like, are you are you going to come join me at times for the pregame show? Uh possibly, possibly. It it, uh, it, uh, it depends on how good the tailgate's going. Like, am I going to take the time to walk over there? Like, how many Jello shots will I have to put in my pockets? Like, you know, we're gonna can you, can if, you get me like a golf cart ride to from campus green garage to Mio's? I don't think Mio's has a golf cart. I don't, I don't, we'll have to, I don't know. I don't know. Well, like, um, no one's th- using like Luke. We haven't, did time. I announce this last week? I don't remember. Did I say what we're doing? I don't think so. All right. Uh, I'll, if I'll let did, it out. I, if you did, I do not remember. I'll let it out now. I am going to be uh, at Mio's two hours before every home game kickoff doing a pregame show. My co-host is still in the works. We're, we're ironing some things out and trying to figure out some details. Uh, but I will be at Mio's 
inside doing a live pregame show. I just, which, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just thought of something. Okay. How late is Mio's open? Or like, are they a bar bar? Like they're oh, open yeah. for like two? Oh yeah. So Day when, after dark for Mio's. When the UCF game is a night game and when UC wins, we should do Dave After Dark from Mio's with all the fans there. Okay. I'm sure I can make that happen. Because that won't be wild or anything. <laughs> I'm sure I can make that happen. Um, now, now, the podcast might not be worth a damn because nobody will be able to hear anything. <laughs> no, we'll have microphones and, a, oh, well, and, a, yeah, and an audio board. And I mean, yeah. we'll be able to record it. No, but people will be screaming and, you know. Yeah. It'll be loud. It'll be fun. Of course. Um, Two hours before every every home game, we'll do the pod, we'll do a show. I, I, I'm not going to podcast it because by the Is time that, we post it, the game's it over, game? right? <laughs> I mean, like, um, but you're going to have to be there live to, to catch it. Uh, they'll have drink specials. We're working on Red Helms. I, I think Red Helms might be there in liquid form to uh, to join us for these pregame shows, and they'll run about 45 minutes to an hour. So stop in, have a drink, uh, catch a little bit of the pregame show, and then go about your way tailgating and, and getting ready for the game. Uh, if you park over that way, you could stop in on your way to the tailgate, have a uh, pre-tailgate drink. You could, you know, plan a meal, stop in, grab a table, get some pizza, and, uh, and make sure, put that on your mental calendar that we will be at Mio's uh, about two hours before every kickoff for home games doing a live show. So uh, we've been working on that. It was supposed to happen. It's a crazy wow. thing. It was supposed to happen last year. And then for obvious reasons, mainly that no fans were allowed to go. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we had to, we had to postpone it. We had to put it on hold, but this is something that, that Mio's and I have been uh, working together on. For quite some time and i'm excited to get it started and i think it'll be a fun uh new tradition for the bcj community to uh kind of make mios their spot for home games uh even if it's just stopping in and, and having a, a beer having a red helms and uh I, i'll work on jello shots see if they, we can get mios to do jello shots for you i mean if they have jello shots we're a lot more likely to get you over you are golf cart would be the, the, I mean, like the personal <laughs> escort over there. It's not some, it's just like, do I really want to walk? I got a great tailgate spot. You do. You do. Me, me, you, it, it is a hall from where you're at. Right. To Neos. I'll me, give you right, that. Me right. And right by Tobes. You can, people can come up, hang out with me and Tobes. I mean, we'll, we're working on it. We're working on it. Oh no, it's to be awesome. I mean, they need it. Like I've, you know, it's a it's a gripe I've always had, but I understand. Like you're not going to like put that stuff on the air if you don't think people are going to listen to it. But like we have a half hour pregame show, and like I go to all these other games or whatever, and it's like pregame show starting at noon to kick off at seven thirty. It's like <laughs> right. What are you like? Kentucky has a pregame show that feels like it starts on Friday, and and. You know, <laughs> Louisville does too. Same thing. I'm working on it. That was the hope for this year. We couldn't quite make it happen for this year. I think 
everything's still being kind of wonky. Um, but, but the goal is we take this pregame show, we get a year under our belts and then hopefully by next year we can, we can get it on the air somewhere and, uh, and take you in to kick off. So we're working on it, but you know, what can you do? All right, man. I, I, I'm, I don't have anything else. I'm good. All right. Do you? No, no, I'm all straight. All right. Well, thanks to Jim Kelly. That was, Oh yeah. <laughs> that was that we were, we were completely unnecessary in this podcast for the most part. Right. We just lead him to water and let him drink. And that seriously, Jim Kelly music.com. I think that's what he said, right? I think so. Go find where Jim's playing and, and support Jim Kelly. Cause that is a legend in the UC game. And, uh, I'm sure, like, find him at a, a little brewery, a little restaurant, go get you some dinner, listen to the, the soulful stylings of Jim Kelly playing classic rock, and, uh, and enjoy your night and support a great, great Bearcat. Like, uh, you're, he said before, his, his dad and your grandpa were yes, tight. Yes, mm-hmm. So, he, like, he's a lifer. Yep. <laughs> I mean, An that's... absolute lifer. Well, like, I mean, I don't – my – like they've known each other forever, but like, cause my grandparents, when they moved here, they were next door neighbors with George and Helen Smith. Yeah. Who everyone knows who George Smith is obviously. Yes. So that's how like my grandpa became part of, you know, like met him, became really, really good friends with him. So then started, helping out with the football team. So yeah, he's known, he knew Mr. Kelly for, I mean, we've known all those guys forever. All right, man. Hour and a half. They can deal with it tonight. Didn't get you to two, but there's just nothing else we could talk about. That's going to be better than, than how Jim Kelly said it. Never going to happen. At some point it's going to happen. Are you going to hang up at 159? Are you just going to leave? I mean, I mean, if the pod, if I get the podcast over two, it counts. I no, I wasn't on it for two. That's okay. You were on it for one fifty nine forty seven. If I get it over two, it counts that you were here over two. Uh, no. <laughs> no. If I if yeah, no, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> Makes no sense. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start like ending the podcast like we've ended the podcast and then started back up with somebody else and i'll be like two hours dave just didn't have anything to do with it he did 90 minutes the other 30 minutes for somebody else i wasn't here for that full two hour part so (laughs) hey man much appreciated let's wrap it up get ready also we mentioned the mios thing also every road game every road game holy grail banks official BCJ watch parties all season. I can't wait to get into Mio's for home games, to get to the grail for, for road games. Minus, like, minus me. Minus you. You are not there. Our, I our, our, our new, newer listeners. Dave does do, not do watch not parties. See me. <laughs> he cannot watch games with other humans. It's he's, bad he's, luck. It's bad yeah. luck. It's happened before and it ended poorly. Temple. Yeah. So Dave will not be there, but I will be there and we will be rocking 
watch parties, holy grail. I usually get there about uh, 45 minutes before every game. We've been maybe in, maybe exploring doing like a similar pregame show at the grail for road games that would be a little bit closer to kickoff. So you can come in, get, uh, get, get caught up on what to expect to see in that game and then, uh, and then watch the action. So we're working on some exciting stuff. Like this thing, this, this thing is just starting to get off the ground, Dave. I'm so happy with where BCJ is right now. For sure. We've got great partners. Stop stop trying to get this to two hours. I'm not where there's, I mean, we're, we're an hour or we're like 40 minutes away. I'm just saying we've got great partners. We've got a great staff. We've got a great community. Let's start utilizing it and, and getting these things together and, and enjoying watching what should be a really exciting season. All right, man. Dave Simone, Chad Brendel. We'll see you next time. The Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com.